Dark Cast Network, indie pods with a dark side. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place where the ghosts like to wander. Hey, we all know that we're going down, baby. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I am your fantastic host, JC. With me today, not per usual, but the queen of everything herself, Kiki. We are missing our local cryptid enthusiast, Cord, but possibly even better than him, in his place, we have Kiki introduce her. Today, we are excited to have fellow podcaster and local artist, Elise Schaefer, with us. Elise, how are you today? I'm so good. How are you guys? Hanging in there. We had that terrible ice storm this morning. That was fun. Eh, It wasn't that bad. (laughs) I've seen worse. I, I now live in a place with street parking and it was pretty awful. <laughs> Seeing like all of your neighbors in underwear scraping off their cars at like seven in the morning was not ideal. So it's not the ice. It's it's your neighbors in underwear. That's that's yeah. not the great thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was because of the ice, though. So mm, that's fair. But they could have put on pants. Yeah, that was on them, I guess. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so Elise, you are one of the hosts of the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. I am. Cool podcast, by the way. You guys, listeners, listeners, go listen to that. Okay. Uh, I'll be back. Not not now. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) This is why I need Cord to keep you in line. He can threaten to body slam me all he wants. I will say and do what I wish. See, I mean, you guys record virtually, so, like, there can't be any physical violence off air, right? Uh, false. Cord knows where (laughs) I live. We're only about 15 minutes away from each other, and he can get into my house. (laughs) That's, like, all all three strikes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not good for you, JC. It's not good. He also knows where I work. So, we wanted to have you come on to talk some spooky stuff, because... I don't know. I might be wrong, but you seem like you're kind of a spooky chick a little bit. I've I've seen your work. <laughs> I think a little bit. It's funny because I um so yeah, I run this arts podcast and uh as soon as you had reached out and asked if I was interested on being on on your podcast, I messaged my co-host and was like, "Suck it. Like I'm going to be on the first one to be on someone else's podcast." <laughs> nice. Ha ha ha, Ben. <laughs> Not like they don't both run their own other podcasts too but <laughs> i was i was very excited so thank you i really appreciate it <laughs> suck it ben <laughs> give them a little shout out ben and elizabeth are uh, my co-hosts on the arts podcast and they do an awesome job and we have a really good time so if you feel like deviating from the spooky there's lots of art out there to be heard oh yeah oh yeah so i immediately loved your i guess what i would call these your little kid ghost prints Thanks. Yeah. So I, I'm not used to talking about my own artwork, so this is cool. I am super right now into block printing with like those linoleum cut blocks, super soft, easy to cut kind of stuff. Yes. And both of the little ghost ones were designed 
inspired by photographs, one taken by my cousin for a class project, and then one taken by myself of a friend. So I had done this whole photo shoot with her at a park in Coopersburg, um, because they have all this old, terrible, creepy park equip, uh, park playground kind of stuff. So we did like this ghost shoot at the creepy park on the slide, which was a photograph and then got turned into a painting and then a block print. (laughs) And then the other one was of my cousin and his little brother at my grandparents' house in the doorway. So... (laughs) Like those, and you did a little cabin booklet, I would call it, when you were staying at Lake Nakamixon. Yes, thanks. So I did this little watercolor zine. Um, a couple of my friends and I went up to Lake Nakamixon in January, and in the cabin, they had this little like memo notebook that you could write how your cabin experience was and like what you liked about the cabin, if you went to any local restaurants or anything. And my friend, we were sitting up late one night drinking while we were at the cabin and my friend wrote this entirely insane story about how we were lake monsters that had emerged from Lake Nakamixon to stay the weekend in this little cabin and I was like I have to document this somehow so I made a little watercolor zine of like all the stuff we did while we were there and it included a lake monster in it so Yes, I like the ending. I was like, I was going to ask you about that. I was like, oh, that's so cute. It's a little lake monster. Where'd that come from? Now I know. Yeah, yeah. Just very creative writer. So uh, apologies if anyone ever finds that notebook because there's some weird stuff. But it was a good time. (laughs) And you work a lot on accessibility. I do. (laughs) Yeah, which is really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's cheesy to say like, that's my passion. But like the general accessibility to like art for people is definitely like my my life passion. (laughs) Yeah, I was looking at, I think you did a video on Instagram about all the equipment and everything that you had to set up to gain that accessibility, which I was assuming was kind of taking pictures of the art so that someone could see that online as well or by am I crazy is that what yeah on Instagram okay yeah so actually over this past summer August and September I was freelancing for Touchstone Theater which is over in Southside Bethlehem mm-hmm. and amazing arts festival called Festival Unbound and it's like this huge celebration of community voice and art and theater and the intersection of all of it and they had this great event that was highlighting artists with disabilities in the Lehigh Valley community and then there was a film screening about a dance troupe from oh gosh I'm gonna mess this up somewhere they're located somewhere on the east coast but it's a dance troupe entirely comprised of dancers and choreographers who are wheelchair bound so it was a really cool event and I was just there to help set up all of the equipment for audio description and for the cart captioning and it was super fun super awesome and I love working to like educate other people about the kind of like equipment and things all of the things that are needed to make stuff accessible because nothing is accessible (laughs) so that's what that was from. What made you get into that part of it? I guess it was like, do you have somebody in mind when you're, you're like, was there a family member or is this just something that you're like, I think I just want to do this? Yeah, there's so I do have a family member with a disability, which I credit a lot of my awareness to this around. But when I was in college, I had a professor that really encouraged us to do undergraduate research. So a lot of my research was focused around what 
arts spaces can do to become more accessible, specifically to people with disabilities. But now in my job, it's kind of all encompassing. Like my boss always refers to it as like accessibility with an A. So how can you make something that's in English accessible to people who don't speak English? How can you make art lecture accessible to people who don't hear that kind of thing? So it's just so fun. Like I just, I love that kind of interaction that you get to have with people when they start seeing that a a place or a topic or something that they want to learn about is accessible to them. It's just really exciting and makes makes it worth it, you know? Yeah. And my opinion of art has always been that it's super important yeah. socially and, and that it should be accessible to everybody. So I really, I enjoyed kind of, you know, looking at what you were doing and trying to learn a little bit myself. And then you realize, wow, there's, like you said, it's also people who are like English is their second language. Right. I, that would never even have occurred to me. So there yeah. you go. There's already so many barriers to art making or enjoying art. So like anything that you can do to kind of level the playing field and make it something that's accessible to everybody, I think is really important. So my roommate, she's a art therapist huh? and she she's very creative because she has to do like groups and one on ones with people of all different artistic levels and try, her trying to like put things together, especially for her groups. It's really fun at, for her. Well, it's fun for me to watch her do it. <laughs> I don't know if she always has a great time, but she seems like it. It's it's a challenge to try and make things as relatable to everyone and accessible to everyone. One of my favorite things she's had me do was to do a painting or a, to create a bridge because it didn't matter what media I used and like all the different things about like making the bridge. She just, oh, well, this is because like you don't think you have a good future or you are unsure of your past or you don't think there's good stability. And I'm like, shut mm. up and let me just draw a bridge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it was really interesting. People put a lot into art that they don't always think about consciously. It's a great way to get people to communicate in a more honest way as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's so awesome. So what did your what did your bridge look like? How to say this? I am not artistically talented at all. My roommate is, my girlfriend is, uh, just about everyone in my life is very artistic and fantastic. I do not have any of those skills. So my bridge was garbage. Uh, <laughs> I think I used, I used colored pencils and it was not great. Let's just say that. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I have. In the last like year recently, I've been trying to challenge myself to express my feelings. I hate this. Can this be edited out? Ugh. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's so awesome. No, I'm not editing it out. It's fine. Uh, I request. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's a request. Breaking down social emotional barriers. <laughs> I, I and then we're going to talk about murder. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Murder and stuff, guys. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) It's a good segue. Uh, We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. And uh, when we get back, we are going to talk about the topic that Elise chose, which was awesome. We have not talked about this at all in depth. And that is going to be Getter's Island. Go get them. God damn it. Legally, I had to do the joke. on this week's edition of For the Trees. Hi, my name is Amir Khan. I'm the author of Speedboat Race. Amir dropped by in person to chat about his new book, 
The story is about a speedboat racer that is trying to overcome many obstacles prior to the championship race. How a sixth grade writing assignment, tucked away in his parents' safe, became a book and a lesson for today's children. And I hope that will inspire those that are in the communities and elsewhere. You can get the whole story on episode 15 of For the Trees on your favorite podcast player. And you can find Speedboat Race on Amazon. Welcome back. What good, was there music playing or was it an ad? Whatever. That was our ad. What a good little break we had. (laughs) This is like JC's 103rd episode and he's still. (laughs) And you still fuck it up after 103 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, we're going to be talking about Getter's Island, but what attracted you, at least to this particular story? So I have to to give a shout out to Ellen Flynn, who owns the art establishment over in Fountain Hill in Bethlehem. Oh, fantastic. We have tons of listeners in Fountain Hill, by the way. So yeah, it is an amazing community art studio and gallery space. Her and her husband, Tom, run it together. There's classes, uh, workshops, gallery shows. But I was over there a few weeks ago buying some handmade paper in their little gift shop. And I was telling her about your podcast and saying, I need like something really good, really juicy for this podcast. Like, do you have any recommendations? And Ellen, every year on Sock and Source, does like a Halloween episode with them. Mm -hmm. Did Getter's Island maybe this past year. And she said, this is the best story. It's local. It's super juicy. It's a fun, it's a fun one, quote, quote, as fun as murder and hanging can be, I guess. (laughs) It can be loads of fun. (laughs) I guess it can be. (laughs) But um, she recommended it and I immediately started researching and was absolutely hooked because I've driven past here a bunch of times and have recently started kind of getting into the art scene in Easton too. So I will, I'm sure, pass it again. But that is what what drew me to Getter's Island. (laughs) Thank you, Ellen. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Ellen. And yes, is her, does she also have like the ceramics pottery stuff that you can do or is that somewhere else I'm thinking of? They have a great little pottery studio in the downstairs. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I want people to know go yeah you can like rent studio time you can buy clay you can do workshops where you just come in and make it and they do the rest of the work like it's awesome can't recommend highly enough all right so as is usual when we talk about a place uh i always start out with the history because that's my area of expertise (laughs) so i looked everything up now feel free to interject at any time because i know that you've done some research too and i'm sure you have some feelings about (laughs) what what went down what went down (laughs) this guy this guy kiki i didn't want to interrupt but is it your area expertise because you live through all of history (laughs) sure jc yes you gotta get an old joke in there at some point a hot minute since i got made fun of for being ancient so thank you you're welcome i'm glad i could help dick (laughs) all right So yeah, the history behind this one is interesting and involves a dash of true crime. Actually, it's not really a dash. It's mostly just true crime, guys. Sorry. Uh, There is a ghost story. There's two, actually. Two. That's one more than one. (laughs) So Getter's Island, a.k.a. Hangman's Island, is a small island on the Delaware River in Easton. It's about a half mile upriver from the mouth of the Bushkill Creek, uh, a thousand feet from the PA's side. 
If you leave downtown Easton and go north on Route 611 along the North Delaware Drive, you will see the island right there in the Delaware River. The history of this little island is uh, is sort of weird, and I found out more than I was anticipating. So the 1889 records indicated that it was actually called Abel's Island and named after its wealthy businessman owner, Jacob Abel. But it would actually get its name in 1833 from the hanging of Charles Getter and therefore the better known name of Getter's Island, which I thought was kind of interesting because it's, you know, 1889 maps are still trying to call this Abel's Island, but locally it is, it's been Getter's Island, you know, since 1833. Everyone just knows it is Getter's Island. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So who the heck was this guy? Well, I'm going to tell you. Kind of a shitbag. He was, yes. Yeah. He was a young man employed at a, as a farmhand originally. He had relations with a girl named Margaret Lawal, or sometimes she's re- referred to as Rebecca Lawal. And unfortunately, this relationship resulted in Margaret becoming pregnant out of wedlock. And to, quote, avoid the penalties of law, he married her on January 19th, 1833. What a love story. To avoid <laughs> the penalties of law, he married her. I bet you it was a happy, long, life, lifelong marriage. Ah, what a good ending. How cute. That's how it goes, right, Kiki? I love that my very next sentence starts out like this. It was not a happy marriage. <laughs> oh, who'd have saw that coming? It was not a happy marriage, and witnesses would later come forward to tell of the many times that Charles had threatened and mistreated her. The darkest threat came during a conversation with his neighbor when asked how he felt about becoming a father, and his reply was, I will not be a father. That's not ominous. Right? I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Giveaway, but I'm Yeah, like you're just putting it out there, huh? Wait until you... (sighs) Was it like, I'm not going to be a father because my kids are going to call me dad. Like, I'm going to be a cool dude. My dad is father, you know? Like, I'm dad. No. No, it's not like that. (laughs) I try to be so hopeful. No. Before Charles had had relations with Margaret, however, he had his eye on another woman named Mary Hummer. He was so enamored with Mary that the day, shut up, that the day after his marriage to Margaret, I'm going to call you Doug. That's really telling shit. That's my husband's name. I'm already like, Doug, stop it. You know why they called her Mary Hummer, right? Yep. There it is. Look, I tried. I tried, but then I couldn't not do the joke. Uh, He was so enamored with Mary that the day after his marriage to Margaret, he was already asking if he could get a divorce. The best quote I found was like, Charles said he wanted to be rid of his wife. And I was like, it's been one day. Really? It's okay. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about I'm about to tell you about that. It's uh, yeah, it's real. He's a real smart guy, too. So, by the way, he was told no, that he couldn't divorce her. (laughs) No, you may not. So he tells separate witnesses that if he couldn't get a divorce, it didn't matter because he would, quote, be clear of his wife in less than three weeks. Oh, God. What a time frame. Yeah. And then the one that you just said, quote, be rid of her in one week. (laughs) Separate person he told that to. Finally, he just said, I wish she was dead, quote. And this is after like a day of being married. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. This this was like the week after. What a stand up guy. <laughs> <laughs> so a week later, he surprised everyone around him by agreeing to quote make a home with her i love i love those things we're gonna make a home together baby oh yeah i don't even know what like are they going to actually go build a home this is in the 1800s or right like, yeah probably very literally <laughs> yeah get the hammer and saw out we're gonna we're gonna be making a home uh in this case they chose a place to rent and Margaret being excited that he's, you know, kind of changing his mind and maybe he's falling in love with her. She goes out and buys a bunch of furniture for this place they're going to rent. Of course, this is all a bunch of bullshit. He goes around babbling about how he was never going to live one single moment with her. So she's like out at Ikea buying all this furniture and he's like at the bar like, I'll be rid of her in a week. Don't worry about it. Yes. Good Lord. That is exactly how I see it in my head. Yes. Yes. She's getting. Uh, she's eating some Swedish meatballs, mm-hmm. picking out the different furnitures that I'm not even going to try and pronounce their names. <laughs> but um, yeah, and he's in a bar. Goddamn, hate that woman. <laughs> but doesn't matter. Soon. I don't know why I'm giving him this voice, but yeah, it's probably not far off though. <laughs> he was PA Dutch. Oh, I'd like to hear that. Just I, yeah, just so you know, because I do have a quote in. I'll, well, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I apologize to all Pennsylvania Dutch everywhere. Me. You're going to be apologizing to me because I'm also PA Dutch. I know you're a Dutch. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> oh, boy. So um, on the evening of February 27th-ish, I say ish because it. Eh, I think I think it did happen like within the 24 hours so it was like the 27th i think you're right getter took his wife to see the wagner family or it could be wagner i don't you know i don't know he did not accompany her into the house as he was hoping to not be seen by anyone in the family however he was noticed milling around the house by someone in the family Mm -hmm. so there's your witness right that he doesn't know exists really he's so smart after margaret was finished with her visit getter walks with her and took a shortcut home this is when he gets the bright idea that he's just going to kill his wife himself he pulled her towards him and then threw her backward yelling at her in pa dutch do must do zerwa and it's it's said exactly like that d-o-m-u-s-t-d-u sterwa now i know that well, it must be must and do and sterwa is you must die. I'm not sure why the D-O is there. As many extra letters as possible. <laughs> right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't understand. So <laughs> I think the, and I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he's saying you must do the death. Like, Lit- yeah, literally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That might be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because the. The do du part is definitely you. That's even in German, it's you. And then Sturwa, I just figured that's got to be die because Sturben is die in German. So I was thinking it's not too far away. Or it could also be that the journalist is trying to write this out when they don't actually speak PA Dutch either. So that's another possibility of. But I'm going with he definitely said you must die. Yeah, in whatever language he's, he said it. <laughs> In Pig Latin, you must die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he strangled her to death. Cute. <laughs> Great guy. Oh, Charles. When her body was eventually found not far from her home, her throat had bruising, and there was a distinctive 
imprint of a thumbnail driven into her neck. When they lifted her head, they found that the comb that she wore in her hair had been smashed into pieces, indicating that violence had been used to subdue her. Another article also mentioned that the way that he must have done it was like pressing down with the thumb, like really hard to get that impression with like one of his hands. And then there were actually handprints on the back of her neck, like he was pressing into her like the other way too. So, ugh, not fun. Surprise, surprise, suspicion immediately falls upon Charles. Could it have been everyone being like, wait, it's crazy. He's been saying for the last like two days that he's going to kill her within three weeks. No, a week. No, like soon. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I feel like, especially in the 1800s, it's probably so easy to commit murder. Like, it's so easy to commit because they don't have DNA testing. They don't have cameras everywhere. And, you know, like witness testimonies are stupid anyway. But like to get caught, you got to be dumb, right? Like, oddly enough, though, JC, in the 1800s, there was some forensic stuff going on. Yeah, but like not like what we have today. Well, like no, I feel but... like it's still significantly easier. Like truly, if you just act sad, I feel like you're going to get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you what he did. <laughs> Probably <laughs> act happy. <laughs> so, when the constable was sent to apprehend him, he had already had a good night's sleep because he murdered her and went home and went to bed. This is this is him telling the story, too, by the way. And then he spent pretty much the full day at work in the quarry. So, you know, didn't seem to care. So when the constable shows up, he just says, is she dead? Is she dead? They take him to her body, where, according to one of the local newspapers, a thousand people had collected around her. Now, I, you know, a thousand of uh, I, I think know. a thousand people lived in Easton in 1833. <laughs> well, I mean, I think so. They, they had some exaggerated numbers, uh, and I'll get into that too in a second. But yeah, I'm thinking it was probably more like 200, maybe at the most. I mean, but it was a big deal. Like it was. Look, reporters never lie. If there's one thing I know, it's all media is honest. I was gonna say, if you're Pennsylvania Dutch in the 1830s, you can't probably count anyway. <laughs> Wow. Burn. (laughs) Wow. I mean, you're not wrong, but like. (laughs) Like 1,200, like it's fine. (laughs) It's not the same. Oh, man. Unflinchingly, he examined her all the while saying that he was innocent of killing her. So obviously like zero remorse. Did not get distraught as if. He already knew what her body looked like because he left her there in that condition. So police aren't dumb (laughs) at at this time. They're not. All during this trial, he continues to plead innocent. But despite having the best lawyers obtainable, it took the jury all of 10 minutes to convict him of murder. And he was sentenced to hang. Now, here's where things get interesting about Getter's Island because... Usually hangings take oh, take place. Yeah. Oh God. Oh boy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna re-say that. <laughs> <sighs> Usually hangings took place in Easton's center square, which I also didn't even give a single thought about. And then I'm just like, oh my gosh, like we walk pretty much over that area if I'm not. That's mistaken. where they have the market. Yeah. Look, this is this is America. You literally just throw a rock. 
war crimes have been committed. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Wherever that rock lands, war crimes, atrocities, murders, all of it happened there. Uh, and yeah. if not, trust me, it will very soon. So up to this point about like where the, the hangings usually take place in the center square. Elise, did you find out anything else about him? That I, did I miss anything? Did you pick up anything extra? I don't think so. I think the story goes just as you said. <laughs> there was like one website I was reading where they had like all of these quotes back and forth about him saying basically like, I won't be a, a dad and I, I won't be no daddy and like all of this stuff. And then at the end, it just says these conversations were had in German. <laughs> yeah. And I, I missed it. I, ha- I also had a website, but I didn't really think about it until just now. But there, yeah, he, there was a lot of quotes from him that were in PA Dutch or PA German. And uh, I was just like, whew, man, he uh, a lot of those were after the fact. A lot of that was like after he was arrested and he was being held. And he said some pretty dire things about himself. So I was like, well, you know, yeah, you're a shithead. <laughs> so usually we're hanging people in the center square, but they had to accommodate a ridiculous amount of people to watch this hanging. So the island is selected because one of the, I think it might have been the Easton Gazette again, was saying that there was like 170,000 people who were there, but Speaking of like crunching numbers about the time period, they were like legitimately there was about 20,000 people who watched this. happen. There was a a WFMZ article that said something like they estimated 100,000, but it was probably closer to about 20,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, Dutch in this time, (laughs) in this time, could not count that high. No, they counted them higher than they needed to. That was the problem. Well, yeah, they just made up numbers. They were just like, (laughs) yeah, that looks like hundreds of thousands. I don't know. So a gallows was built in the center of the island so that everybody could see the sentence being carried out from the surrounding hills and banks along the river. And I love the fact that they constructed what they consider to be the more humane way of hanging people. (laughs) That seemed a little... uh... The way it was written was very dark. It was like, as opposed to falling through the trap door, like you see in the movies, they just yank up instead of letting yeah. him fall through. They use a, a system of weights and pulleys, and they are just like, yep, they're just yanking you up, which which is going to cause something actually sort of amusing to happen. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second, because a few days before the sentence is carried out, Charles confesses to the murder while he's being held in jail. So as if we all didn't know that he did it. (laughs) There was also this thing about how a day before the hanging, there were, quote, like no empty beds to be had in Easton because so many people had driven in to watch this happen. To be fair, I feel like this is like, okay, so there's no TV at the time, right? (laughs) People are probably just waiting for some... Oh, they're going to hang someone? Oh, it's like 30 miles away. Yeah, let's get on the horse and buggy and let's get on going. There there couldn't have been anything else going on. There wasn't, really. That's and that, we, we talk about true crime. We just say, oh, true crime now. Why is everybody so interested in true crime now? No, it's, it's true crime always. Always. Nothing's yeah. changed. It's just much yeah. more public. <laughs> and, well, yeah, yeah. to be fair, I also feel like people just want to see someone hang. Like, there's that community justification, like, where they just want to see public executions. It's fucked up, but I really think it's just, we should start doing it again. 
<laughs> JC, no. I'm just saying, if you see murderers <sighs> get put into a catapult and launched against a brick wall because they murdered people and this is their death sentence on live TV when you're five years old, less likely to be a murderer. That's that's all I'm saying. Interject my fun fact that I saved for this episode. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, having to do with public executions. <laughs> so apparently this happened in 1833 and in 1834, Pennsylvania banned public executions. So this guy was one of the last people to be publicly executed in Pennsylvania. And following this, all of the executions had to be held privately in county prisons. So I am way too closely, too close for comfort related to the last person to be executed in Lehigh County Prison in 1910 named George Schaefer, who was hanged in Lehigh County Prison for killing a Philadelphia salesman with an axe. So (gasps) not directly connected to this story, but (laughs) kind of a weird tie to this, which I'm not super comfortable with, but I felt like had to be said. To be fair, the guy, you know, you just, I, he didn't need any beans, okay? He didn't need beans. This guy wouldn't shut up. He wouldn't take no as an answer. I understand. <laughs> I get it. I, I found out not that long ago that one of my Norwegian relatives, she would have been like a great, 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 great grandmother, did in fact murder a Swede with an axe to the head. Oh, exciting. Yeah. That part of my family was part of a very small gang of Norwegians who were going into Sweden and robbing farms for food mostly. But um, yeah, she was hanged and she was one of the last. Wait, was she hanged or did she get beheaded? I can't remember. Either way, she was one of the last people to be publicly executed in Sweden. Oh, God. Weird, right? Dot com stuff ruins your life, man. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned so much that I never wanted to know. And mostly about the Pennsylvania Dutch ones. So I feel like there's a theme here, but. (laughs) I think the other big reason, though, that everybody was really drawn to seeing this guy get hanged was because he had not just murdered his wife, but he murdered his unborn child as well. So kind of a dickhead. Just a little bit. He wore all white on the day of his execution. For innocence. That makes Uh, sense. (laughs) After he had admitted to it, though, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in his mind, he's still innocent. He insisted on walking the half mile to his execution rather than be driven there. And don't think that when I say driven, I mean that he's getting into a car because this is horse and buggy. So... (laughs) And then then we come to the whole pulley system and the jerking of him, like, up as opposed to down. Like, letting him slip down. Because Mm -hmm. the first time they tried to hang him, the rope broke. Traditionally, doesn't that mean that that was like God saving you or something, and then you don't have to be hung. Oh, not in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. That might fly in other places, but not PA. <laughs> not here. <laughs> we're hanging you till you're. We're just getting another rope. And that is exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to tell you two little side notes about this. One was that he was apparently in the military at some point because his old battalion was there and present for this execution and number two the deputy sheriff who went to on horseback to easton to get a new rope was samuel adams (laughs) oh wow (laughs) 
at this time, everybody wanted to be named after him. It was crazy. So if your last name was Adams, you just became Sam. That was it. So, of course, the second rope worked. A portion of one of the ropes, they're not really sure if it's the original or the like the one that broke at the other one, but a portion of it is preserved at the Northampton County Historical and Genealogical Society in Easton, if you want to go see it. And as you were saying, he actually is the last execution, the public execution in Northampton County. Hmm. And then one of the last in Pennsylvania total, but the last in Northampton County. And it was a sight to behold, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of tra- drama. Like, you know, the rope snapped. They had to find another rope. Luckily, Paul had a second rope. If he hadn't been there, oh, the travesty. Paul. They wouldn't have been able to hang the dude. It was Paul. Sam it was Sam Adams. Know. Sam Adams no, went Paul. and got one. No, Paul. He had oh. it. Sam Adams got it from Paul. Oh, God, if I had the ability to go look that up and it was actually some guy named Paul that owned a hardware store in the middle of Easton, I would die. <laughs> I'd be so happy. <laughs> Paul's ropes and stuff. In, Paul's it's like ropes and stuff. What a great name for a store. It seems like not the name of a hardware store, but maybe the name of something else. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, so ropes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Uh, oh man, I mean, you can go in and at least peruse the goods. Paul sounds like he's really into public executions and some <laughs> other stuff. He's a little too into public executions. I'm gonna tell you the rest of the history of the island really quick. It's not a whole lot uh, before we get into like the ghosty part of it. There was a. A guy named Dr. Leo Saracola, I think is how you would say his last name. That seems right. Good guess. You always say that. You're like, those sounds right. <laughs> well, no, I was actually reading about him, and I think that is right. He built a 100-foot long suspension bridge to the island, and in the 1940s, he created an amusement park called Tropical Island. That's my favorite part of this story. I know. Same. I didn't even know about this part. I just recently found this out like last night when I was shoring up the last little bits of info. And I was like, what are you kidding me? Because like, if you look at, there's nothing, there's no way it was a tropical island. Like, exactly. <laughs> the quote, golden years of tropical island had, I guess, this small amusement park and also a place that you could go swimming and or bathing was the word uh, used several times it was like a bathing park i'm like okay mm. uh, sure public public baths sure oh no of course over time poor tropical islands got destroyed by floods and and then i like this it says that it, it gave way to you know weeds and stuff and then quote devious activities of those living on the edge of the law that's a great that's a great way to explain it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to quote that because that's damn good. Damn it, Paul. Keep your ropes out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that that quote is from uh, Ronald Wincoop Sr., who was the local historian from Phillipsburg. So Phillipsburg's not a real place. <laughs> God, because it's in New Jersey. We have an ongoing thing, at least, about how New Jersey's not real. Because it's not. I've yet to meet someone from there. Really? <laughs> Uh, it's the yeah. whole thing with him he just won't shut up about it look I haven't mentioned it in episodes like 
episodes. True. It's true. It's true. It's been so a legally, been a I'm allowed to go on a tangent about how New Jersey's not a real place. <laughs> and they're all just paid actors. <laughs> so it's like a set? No, it just doesn't exist. Oh, okay, okay. Next to Philadelphia is actually just the ocean. I don't know about that, but... Yeah, I know, right? It's so confusing. <laughs> just don't even with it. It's not worth it. He knows he's doing it. I mean, like, I'm okay with, like, not validating New Jersey, but, like, I don't know if the ocean's right next to Philadelphia. There's something on in between. It's all a government illusion. Mm. With 3D... Mm stuff and satellites now figured out that it's actually the birds the drone birds have the 3d technology to make everything disappear that's we figured it out yeah that makes sense actually thanks oh, I, I hadn't put those two things together <laughs> that's a lot of money to cover a lot of birds just to cover up new jersey like i don't know i yeah. know there's a joke there about bird crap i just know it i just can't <laughs> formulate I was thinking it. about it uh, so hey ghosts <laughs> Oh yeah, let's talk about the spooky stuff. We were we were conspiracy theorists there for a hot minutes. Okay. <laughs> apparently, and as I always say, apparently, Charles Getter's ghost haunts Getter's Island. Is that where he's buried? No. So it's just where he was killed. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. People die in their homes and then haunt their homes. Sometimes. It doesn't seem like a super creative ending. I know, right? I was disappointed. I'm kind of like, oh, well, he just hangs so, out there. Who goes, like, what is Getter's Island used for today that people care if it is or isn't haunted? Like, is there's no buildings there. Population uninhabited. So, yeah, there's no buildings there. <laughs> <laughs> like, why does, who know what? Okay, tell me these ghost stories. That's where I'm getting. That I just need to know the ghost stories. That is the ghost story. That's it. People see him there. <laughs> Does he like do anything crazy? Now see the backstory and how he got hanged and all of that. It's far more interesting than, you know, the, the ghost. actual ghost story. <laughs> yeah. Like, does he go up to people and he's like, I wish I would have killed that bitch in three weeks instead of one. Like, <laughs> he doesn't do anything like he just you just see him sometimes. That's lame. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Elise, did you find anything else about the hauntings? I wanted there to be so much about the haunting, and there just really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> no one lives there. People drive over the bridge, and they're like, oh, that's where that guy got hung. Yeah. And then they're like, maybe there's a ghost there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because then I got to thinking, like, I've, I'm have i looking at the photographs of it while I'm doing the research, and I'm thinking about how you, okay, so you drive past and you see it. Well, I guess maybe in the evening, if he was wearing white when he was hanged, and that's supposedly what he was buried in as well, he might be easy to spot if he's a ghostly white figure. Mm. Uh, maybe you could spot him from the road. I couldn't get a good date even of when people started seeing him. So it almost seems a little bit more like a local legend than actual reports of ghostly activity. That That was the disappointing part. I was hoping that there'd be more... That it's very folkloric, like, maybe there's a ghost, maybe not. Yes. Now, I, of course, was thinking about the poor woman who her last moments were thinking that this man cared about her, 
that he was falling in love with her, that he was going to stay with her. And, you know, him like pulling her close and then just flipping her around and pushing her on the ground and murdering her while she's pregnant. I wondered if she was seen anywhere. And it turns out that she has been. So she's been seen in the imagery of wearing a long black dress with a black bonnet, walking around Northampton Country Club, which is built over top of the quarry where her body was found. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit more interesting. If you try to find her, it's a little bit difficult to found that out too. So I usually try to do the find find a grave thing, but someone had already done that research and um, they did the research on it. It's not clear if exactly where she's buried because you could put in Rebecca Getter because she also went by Rebecca more than Margaret. But I was like, I was thinking to myself, like, why would you, I mean, her, her parents, well, definitely her mom was there when she was found, when her body was found. So the mom's like was screaming about how he definitely, you know, that, that that's, that's the killer. He's definitely the one who killed my daughter. So I don't know if the parents would have allowed her to be buried with the last name Getter. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm not sure. I found there was like a website that had some information about the reformed church in Easton. And I guess they had a record of her that she was buried at Dryland, which I don't know if that's a cemetery in Easton, maybe, but she was, was listed as Rebecca Lawal. Is that how you say her maiden name? Yeah, that's what I think it is, Lawal. Church records, yeah. Age 31, but no mention of her husband at all. Not surprising. <laughs> yeah. There was another another site that said that she might, it might be just a memorial there. And it has something to do with that she was previously buried elsewhere. Oh. Locals got tired of people asking them, where's where's Rebecca Getter buried? Where's Rebecca Lowell buried? And so they've, someone finally spent the money and they put a, a tombstone up that just says Getter on it. But I was like, uh, that would be more for tourists than for her sake, you know, so gross. Anyway, there you go. There's Getter's Isle and um, a complete shithead. <laughs> Charles Getter. What a gentleman. It is currently on sale. Uh, the island is for sale for $200,000. Is it still? Because <laughs> I know it was like in 2017, but I. No, they re put it know. up uh, to October 31st, uh, ah. 2021. Wow. Or October 30th. Sorry, not thirty first. Ah, yeah, it's currently on sale for two hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what you would do with the island. <laughs> I found some real like doozy news articles about Getter's Island over the years, and <laughs> my favorite one, the headline, it was from the Morning Call in nineteen ninety eight, and the headline reads all caps. Island was used for executions, comma, amusement, hanged man gave name to Getter's Island. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fantastic title. It's like the worst written article I've ever Wow. <laughs> Absolutely hysterical. And the, the, I had to go like 18 pages back in Google to find it. <laughs> 10 out of 10 on the title, really. <laughs> yeah, the, it's interesting. Like, I don't know what you would do with it now. Back in the day... Again, a lot of people bought this stupid thing and then like nothing really happened to it. There's speculation that a couple of the wealthy families had kind of split parts of it up because they were thinking about putting a mill in 
even Jacob Abel had a mill, but he didn't do anything with this island except for he owned it at the time that I think he did own it at the time that this happened. Yeah, so he didn't actually put another mill in on it. There was a lumber yard here too, because you know, uh, being downstream and the lumber could like come downstream and then it would get hooked in like on the island. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like what what would you do with it now? Just hang out on it? <laughs> it's not particularly huge. Like the picture. Really small, but I guess I'm looking at the real estate listing, which is also hysterical. And, <laughs> and it says it's 5.8 acres and it's lush. It is a lush 5.8 acres. Yeah, I I didn't I wasn't even gonna say anything about this because I thought it was just crazy, but one of the newspapers back in the day had said that it was like a thousand acre island. <laughs> So here we go again with like these random numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at this going, wait a minute, that's not possible. I, I've seen pictures of that place. It's not, it's the way that it was a thousand. Are you fucking nuts? I mean, I'm hardly believing that it's five, but it, you know, perspective photographs, it might actually be a little bit bigger than we think it is. There's like this horrible photo in the real estate listing of all these kids like tubing right by. Like, oh, so casual. And then in all caps, the realtor wrote, like, this place is the place of murder, like, island for execution for sale. It's so dark. I love it. I would buy it. Right, buy it. <laughs> I would totally buy it. If I if I win, if all of a sudden, like, win a ridiculous amount of money, like millions of dollars. You know what? It is very deceiving. Now I'm looking at the aerial photographs of it and with some buildings on the other side of the river that you can see. Yeah, it is It is actually pretty big. It's not a thousand acres, but you know. Yeah, you could go camping on it. You could totally like just... Yeah, I'm not paying $200,000 for an island to go camping on. That's ridiculous. No, listen, we make money off of it, JC. We're paranormal investigators, right? So we set up camping with JC and Cord, paranormal investigative team. And uh, try to contact this. Like the, the only thing is that you're just trying to see if you can contact Charles Gatter like all the time. What if he gets annoyed with us <laughs> or we become best friends and we like share strangling tips, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. I would buy a ticket for that. Just for the record. <laughs> there you go. 50 bucks for the weekend. Bring your own tent. Do you have to bring your own kayak to get across too? <laughs> uh, there's actually a footbridge. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's not like something, I would definitely build something. I wouldn't trust people to walk on it, but I would build it. <laughs> yeah, the little footbridge is there. It looks uh, it looks kind of damaged, but totally repairable. It's not a big deal. It's not very. They chose the perfect spot where you can see that it's not quite that deep in that one little area. So, yeah, easy peasy. Not a problemo. We got this all figured <laughs> out, man. Yeah, now we just need $200,000 to buy an island that I know. we'll sell tickets to. And over the next 50 years, maybe make um, $300. <laughs> we could do like reenactments, like 1800s Easton Renaissance Fair, but on the Getter's Island. <laughs> no, it's going to be the whole murder thing, but I'll be the lady and then Cord will be the guy and he just gets to strangle me every weekend. I think your listeners would like that. They would. It sounds like it's a theme. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Paul's Ropes and Stuff would sponsor you guys. <laughs> Paul's Ropes and Stuff, established 1825. Well, if you do talk to Charles 
from the from the great beyond. Can you ask him about Paul's for me? <laughs> I it will be the first question I I'll ask him. <laughs> oh goodness! On that note, um, <laughs> our featured music today is from the Philadelphia band called The Out Sect. This is gonna be their song called Two by Four. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. They kind of got together during COVID quarantine and just went with it. So definitely punk rock. A lot of fun. Female led. So I think you guys will like this song. And they're going to have a new release out soon. So we're probably going to play another song of theirs uh, later on in the month. So check this one out now. And then when we get back, we will do some Spooky Squad news and also talk with Elise about other things she may be uh, having coming up. What's your Welcome back. So, <laughs> we have not actually done a Spooky Squad news thing in a long time, and I feel sort of bad because I just realized that this will be like episode, like five episodes in by the time we do this one, and I've completely, completely forgotten about our new patrons. So, I suck. Thank you, Alyssa, for joining, and thank you, Bobby, for joining us over on Patreon. Thank you, guys. And if you want to join our Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash mission spooky. We have levels at $1, $3, and $5. And then, of course, join us on all our socials, you know, Instagram. We don't really do Facebook that much, but it's there. Yeah, I still rule it with a... Iron Fist, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that stopped happening, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I think. No? Yeah, Facebook is a terrible place. It, it really is. And Twitter. I'm on... I'm on Twitter. And I'm on TikTok. Mission Spooky. Oh, yeah. JC. Uh, I only post videos of pictures that are basically like collages of Hopper, my sweet baby boy. It's a cat, <laughs> just so everybody's clear. Yeah. I originally was going to do like reviews to like quote unquote spooky videos and stuff. But then, nope. Now it's my cat TikTok. What do you have going on, girl? You got anything new coming out art wise? Um, so right now, I'm actually, there's a lovely local artist named Rebecca Kelly, who taught a workshop at my job a couple weeks ago, and on um, embroidery. So that's like my big <gasps> thing right now, is I'm working on some spooky embroidery stuff, which is super new for me. I'm not like a super well established artist, I kind of just make it for me. But now that there are people that kind of want to see what I'm working on, it's really exciting. <laughs> So uh, keep an eye out for some spooky embroidery. Let me know what you want to see from me because I, I'm willing to try all kinds of stuff. I'd love to do some more prints. Um, I live now kind of over in the spooky historic side of Bethlehem. So I'd really like to do uh, some prints of some local places and some local haunts. So if you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out and let me know. The um, Eastern Goblin. There you no. go. Yep, Easton Goblin. Look it up. It's completely fake and bullshit. Oh man. Well, maybe I'll invent it. Um, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the Eastern Goblin inhabits Getter's Island in present day. Okay, well, yeah, right. That would that would work. We'll just pull <laughs> those two folklores together. Smoosh, smoosh, smoosh. Yeah, this. Okay, so JC couldn't stand the fact that that was not a cryptid that actually existed. So sorry. Anyway. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, I say as far as artwork goes, have at it. You know? Sounds good. <laughs> I mean, how many times have people done Nessie? And I'm, I don't think Nessie is real, unfortunately. You shut your dumb mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sacrilege over here. Nessie is alive and well, and we will find her and bring her to the queen so she can sit on the throne. I'm, I'm the queen. We already established this like a long. No, time. I mean the queen of England. That queen. We're going to take her to the throne room area, wherever the queen lives or whatever. I don't know how they, the British work, and we're going to put Nessie there, and she will rule all of the United Kingdom. To our UK listeners, I um, cut a whole bunch of shit out that JC talked crap <laughs> about the Queen. And Look, I'm not saying she's worry, bad at doing her job. I'm just saying, like, Nessie would be a better Queen. That's the part I'm going to leave in. <laughs> also, I do have to ask uh, you a question. What are your thoughts on the squonk? <laughs> on the squonk? <laughs> Yeah, it's Pennsylvania's best cryptid. Pennsylvania's best cryptid. Well, I have seen some some squonk themed artwork before. And the worst part of it, I think, is I was <laughs> I was at a bar one time and I heard the people next to me talking about the squonk. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And I was like just drunk enough that I had to ask. And I regret it because it was immediately followed by like 20 minutes of them trying to evoke the noise that the squonk makes, which is apparently some sort of like weird honking squawking noise. And they got kicked out of the bar. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. It was actually JC. <laughs> Probably. That's what um, it's crazy. We met before, I guess. <laughs> so that's like the, my big exposure to the squonk, but, um, it's quite hideous. I hope I never run into one, but fascinating. They also hope you don't run into them because <laughs> they cry themselves into a puddle. They're so <laughs> ugly. I love them. Some weird, like, Steely Dan reference with the squonk. Like, there's some song that talks about the squonk. <laughs> I think so. There probably is. It's, it's just, <laughs> the squonk is beautiful. That's that's what it is. We also have artwork of the squonk made by podcast artist Chris Stone. He's doing a great job. <laughs> just throw just throw that out there. So if you want to go to Redbubble and check it out, we've got yeah. You can see um, merch JC's of riding. me riding a squonk. <laughs> yeah, Chris Chris nailed it with that one. He well even more so. He like blew it right out of the park. It was great. Oh my god! I just looked it up. That's the best thing I've. Ever- <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? I'm going to buy one right now. Oh my God. I, I, Chris is, Chris is awesome. I love this idea of embroidery. I, I did cross stitch and embroidery when I was a kid. I still did cross stitch when I got older, stepped away from embroidery for a long time. I've been working on um, a Deadpool embroidery thing. 
Uh, it lo- it's looking pretty good. I had to step away from it for a little while. Um, you know, holiday was like one thing after the other. My dad wasn't doing well. And then Christmas and New Year's and then, you know, stuff and junk. So I'm almost done with it. I will show you when it's done. I, I will send you a private photograph of how far I've gotten on it so far. Thank you. I would love that. I, I really want to be good at cross stitch. There is this awesome local artist. Her name's Nicole Jen Corelli. And she does like spooky cross stitch and like animal skulls and all kinds of really cool stuff. And I aspire to do cross stitch, but I think embroidery is like probably the the height of my knowledge base for this kind of thing. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I'll get there one day. I feel like with cross stitch, it is what it is. You know, like you, it's fairly easy now, especially to create your own designs, because if you're decent at drawing, then you can draw your designs. You can stick it into a program and boom, they tell you like, exactly how it's going to turn out with this one i had to hand draw the imagery then transfer that onto fabric and then i have to do a lot more than just putting little crosses everywhere Mm. so i don't know i always think embroidery is just a tiny bit more fun and also a little bit harder than just cross stitch not saying anything against cross stitch because i love it i I love anything (laughs) having to do with like fabric arts at all i think it's amazing and just another aside but as a framer i used to get in a, a lot of pieces this woman in quaker town would go to like goodwill and places like that and she would just snatch up all of these pieces that had been hand done she really loved anything from like the 30s to like the 70s and she'd bring them into us and then i'd have them you know redone and reframed for her it was really cool. So somebody trying to preserve all the things that people used to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so cool. I'm glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of people um, associate like, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Like people say like domestic craft as like not art. And that always oh, really bothers me because it's super like patriarchally rooted and whatever. But like embroidery is like so impressive and cross stitch. And it's like I, uh, it is art, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because somebody if had to sit down. If there's not a paintbrush in your hand, it's not art. I don't care. Okay, call me snobby or whatever, but paint painting's the only form of art. I'm just gonna mute you. No, that's fair. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to represent the snobby piece of shit. Cause I've worked in arts and crafts for like nine years, Kiki. Obviously, I don't yeah, have okay. those opinions. I know. There's also a huge camp of like 50-50 of people when it comes to the fabric arts. I also thought this was rather interesting. You either get the person who's like, absolutely do not put glass on it, or the person who's like, no, I need to have glass on it because I I want it to be preserved. I don't want it to get dirty. I don't want to have to clean it. Interesting. I put a fuck ton of work into this Deadpool embroidery from drawing it to you know stabbing a piece of fabric a million times i want it preserved behind fucking glass you know <laughs> like, wanna... <laughs> and the best glass too that anti-glare shit i you know we're gonna do it up we're gonna do it up good another thing because i never get to talk about art hardly ever but talking about redoing the older pieces I also had a woman come in that had what I would consider to be, and I'm sure you've probably seen these at some point, the real traditional like goose cross stitch that was very popular in like the late 70s into the 80s. 
Yeah, yeah. My grandma's got to do that shit. <laughs> okay. So it was my job to take this piece that had blue and pink, which, you know, big. Every flipping goose had to be like blue or pink. I, I don't understand it. And I had to update it to put it into a home like, you know, 2018. I think I did a damn good job. She was so impressed with the fact that I was able, I picked more of the blues. We added some gray in mm. there for the matting. And I did a really cool black frame that had just a little tiny bit of beading around it that was reminiscent of something you'd find maybe like, I say English cottage style almost, right? Cool. And when she opened it up, because we always had to, you know, show people that obviously you can't just take it home and you got to show them, you know, hey, just, do you like it? Does it look good? Do you see anything wrong with it? Because um, it's guaranteed, right? So she opened it up and she was like, I cannot even believe that this is the same piece. Like I was legit going to get rid of this because it's stupid. Like it's a <laughs> blue and pink goose, but my grandmother made it and I just wanted it and now it's so pretty it looks completely different to me all i see is the blue the pink cord of kind of became an afterthought and now she's like i'm gonna hang this in my living room so you know that's awesome <laughs> keep that in mind listeners you can go find these pieces and all you need is a good framer who understands color theory and we can help you bring that out and make it more modern looking kiki you remember when i i do framing and our framing manager could always tell that I did the order without looking because there would always be blue in it because blue is the best color. Yeah. Did you guys work at a framing shop? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I I worked in the frame shop and Jason. I worked was, in the frame shop sometimes. Was a manager who had to learn framing because it was necessary for him to know how to do it. And I enjoyed taking orders. Yeah. I didn't want to put them together. Yeah, that's that was my job. Yeah, that I was liked that, that was too much like work, and I didn't want to work. It's fun working <laughs> with JC. He didn't do anything. I did lots of things just at three in the morning. Stand around, look beautiful, talk about last podcast on the left. True, 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 true. Yeah, and ghost story, guys. Yeah, the place that shall not be named. So that's freaking awesome. I cannot wait to see this embroidery from you because, yes, I love all your little ghosty stuff. Yeah, I think ghosty is going to be the theme this year. I think that's what we're going with. So we'll see how that manifests. But Although your little lake monster dude could totally be an embroidery piece. Oh, you know what? You're right. I'm super guilty of like repeat stuff. Like I'll make something in like 10 different mediums. No question. So I think, yeah, you're right. That might be a good one. Well, I liked he had bright colors and it's not something I've seen before. And I, I'm kind of a sucker for like the I would call him like the creature from the Black Lagoon type look. I'm very inspired by that. <laughs> yes, totally. I'd love it. It's great. Thanks. So just do a whole series. The Nakamikan Lake Monster, the Eastern Goblin. I think, yeah, I've got a lot, a lot I could do. <laughs> yeah. See? We're helpful. We're helpful. <laughs> Very helpful. Thank you. I much appreciate it. See that? So local artists, just come to us. We'll help you with ideas if you're dry. Like that's that's our new thing now. Just add <laughs> that to the list. Do I just go around and spray them with water bottles until ah, they start damn like it. No, you send him to Paul's rope and stuff. <laughs> Paul's rope and stuff. He's got good ideas. 
I think Chris might have to make a t-shirt. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Going to Paul's rope and stuff. <laughs> we'll do like a fake commercial. Oh, I've always wanted to do a cheesy local commercial. Welcome to Paul's rope and stuff where we have rope stuff <laughs> and a guy named Paul. So you can find Elise on Instagram where that's where I got to see all your cool little art pieces. It is E.J. Schaefer, spelled S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. And then, of course, we can find you on your podcast. Yes, it's at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Facebook. We kind of have a Twitter. I haven't done much with it, but uh, Instagram is where all of the episode announcements end up. So, yeah. Taking us out today is the Outsect with their song Two by Four. And you can find Outsect on Bandcamp right now. They have this one single, but actually by now, I think the second one will be out and available for purchase on Bandcamp. And you'll notice that Mission Spooky is one of their supporters. You see our little logo there. Stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us by writing in the steam on the bathroom mirror. (laughs) 